everybody this is your boy b rob and i'm back with another edition of the random realms with rob podcast first and foremost i'd like to thank you the listener for coming back each and every week or however you listen to podcast if you're a first time listener i appreciate you for giving my show a try and whoever recommended you to me if you're in that vicinity go ahead and give them that crisp high five and i i know i've been uh saying that a lot you know throughout the the show uh, intro and whatnot about the crisp high five or whatever a lot of you may know where it comes from and a lot of you may not know where it comes from so i'm gonna go ahead and hip you to some game right now i love deadpool then they made the movie with ryan reynolds and everything and i love deadpool even more i mean i wasn't super into the comics i knew from snippets and clippets and whatever i got a hold of at the time but the movie's really done it for me ryan reynolds was tailor-made to be motherfucking Deadpool on my TV screen and my, my movie screen. And uh, that shit, that scene in the cab with him and Dark Pender or whatever, the um, freaking Indian guy, he told him he didn't have no money for him, so he would give him a crisp high five. And that just tickled me to no end. So I've been saying it ever since then. Probably a little bit longer, but yeah. So that's where the crisp high five comes from. Yeah, it's copyright infringement. Fuck it. It's my shit now. I'm using it. So kiss my ass. <laughs> So give that motherfucker a crisp high five that recommended you to me. And if you're not in their vicinity, use your social media app of choice, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or whatever have you. And uh, tell them thank you for recommending you to me. Now, we all know that uh, your boy B-Rob is a fan of professional wrestling. And um, today we have a professional wrestler that will be joining the illustrious list of professional wrestlers that have been on this podcast to include Kiara Hogan, Kiefer Bartek, J.J. Blake, uh, Marty DeMarth Martinez, Brian Cage, uh, freaking Damon Buchanan, goddamn Jay Flair, and shit, there's so many that uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I tried to write it down beforehand, but I was just like, fuck it, we need to get this shit rolling because we got some stuff to talk about. <laughs> So if I left you out, I do sincerely apologize. But if you want to see the guest list of everybody that's been on the show from the beginning to the end, you can go to randomrobcast.com and hit the guest tab and you can see pictures of everybody and have links to the episode that you heard all the interviews and all that other cool shit. So joining this illustrious list, some mentioned some that I forgot. So I do sincerely again apologize. Trying to remember the shit off the top of my head. Um... One man that has uh, garnered some uh, hate and disdain on the internet as of late. And uh, we're going to discuss a little bit about that. So joining me now, I'm going to replace the word ignorant with innocent (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Shiloh Greaves. How are you, sir? Oh, man, it's been one hell of a week. I've had better days, but better days are definitely ahead. So I'm doing okay, my man. How are you? Man, hanging in there. Uh, I'm in the same boat, but not as big as yours as we discussed a little bit ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, oh, um, man. Yeah, you um, garnered, uh, I'm doing the air quotes, a lot of heat 
uh, as of late. Uh, for those who don't know, there's been a this uh, thing popping off on the internet to where uh, people been going into grocery stores and grabbing food items and uh, defiling them and putting them back on the shelves to unaware customers to for purchase. So it, um, I think what really popped it off was um, the young lady that damn licked the blueberry ice cream and put it back. And there was like a slew of others to follow. But in this particular instance, um, I guess we could say yours was the genesis, maybe, because uh, I, from what I understand, your portion of it was filmed over a year ago before this happened, maybe, right? Yes, it was about it was about seven, eight months ago when the promo was filmed, you know, and the thing was when I did this promo, it was supposed to be gross. It was supposed to be nasty. It was supposed to make you turn away from the screen. And also, most of all, it was supposed to be stupid. Yeah. Um, and the thing, like, stupid to the point where I did not think people would actually go out and replicate it. And I do not think, I, I would actually humbly disagree that it would be the Genesis because this video plateaued at about 650 views and it stayed there. Mm-hmm. It stayed there for such a long time. And literally there was not one new view on that video until this whole thing uh, blew up. Yeah. So, you know, what I'm thinking is it was a, some sort of personal attack. Somebody had to have gone on my page, scroll to the very, very, cause that was, that was the very first video of my web series. So somebody had to scroll to the very bottom of my page, pulled that video up and been like, bingo, I got him, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty, it's pretty crazy how that kind of stuff works and how social media can take a 360 on you like that. Yeah. Now we'll, we'll talk about um everything leading up to that point, but like you, sir, are a professional wrestling. I believe you've been doing it for 12, 13 years, maybe. Yes, I joined the business in 2007. Word. 2007, I believe I was gearing up for my third deployment to Iraq. (laughs) Oh, man. Simpler times, right? Yeah, simpler times. (laughs) Exactly. You know, why why are you bullshitting? I mean, speaking as from somebody that was in the military, that shit is kind of simple, dog. Because, like, just personal life aside from, you know, your military life, you know, the military is so simple, dog. I mean, you get up, you know what t- you got to get up at a certain time. You got to be there at a certain time. You do all the shit that you're tasked to do. Then you go to fuck home. But, you know, life outside of that is just like the hard part because, I mean, you got a family, you got kids, you got bills, you got all this other stuff. And, you know, it, with all the shit that we put up with, you know, being in the military or whatever, it's not the glamorous life per se. I mean, we get paid, but we don't get paid as near as much as I think, you know, military members should get paid. But yeah. Oh, I, mean, I agree. Cause like the first deployment was the hardest cause I'd never been in a situation like that. So it was rough, but everything to follow oh, that. Bet. Yeah. Everything to follow that was just like cake. I was just like, eh, you know, I might die, but fuck it. You know? <laughs> right. Right. But yeah, man. Uh, so 2007, but bef- before you even decide to step through the ropes and make it a gig and whatnot, what was the catalyst to this, man? What what drew you to professional wrestling? What was your first uh, memory of it? This is, I was about four years old. You cannot blame my father for this. <laughs> uh, you know, I was four years old. 
and my dad just, you know, he kind of just threw this VHS on my bed. And on this VHS was this big, bold, screaming man, and in big orange letters across it, it said Goldberg. Word. <laughs> and, yeah, it was all Goldberg. I got this. It was my dad and Goldberg. They both got this started. And the first match I ever watched was him going through uh, Hollywood Hogan at the Georgia Dome. And I saw that, and it was just, that was it for me. That that was that was it, and then I was thing was I was a WCW kid growing up because after that I watched strictly WCW stuff. Yeah. Like I had no idea what WWF was. I had no idea who the commentators were dissing all the time on TV. I was like, why are they talking about you know like all this other stuff? I was like, I don't know who these people are. So yeah, you know that's pretty much that was definitely the 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 kickstart was Goldberg. <laughs> and now you know some like to nowadays or whatever you know he was great for what he was but he wasn't uh i, I guess uh hell does the greatest professional wrestler of all time you know and it's it's funny because when people when people say who got you started and i say goldberg it's usually a, a big eye roll you know and i'm just like no y'all leave goldberg alone man <laughs> i said you don't understand <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, I mean, see, cause uh, yeah. like um, th- the thing for me as well is like my uh, intro to professional wrestling wasn't the typical one as well. It wasn't even wrestling that got me into wrestling. It was Hulk Hogan, the actor that introduced me to wrestling. Uh, so I seen him in movies before I seen him in the wrestling ring. And I just so happened to come across a VHS with him on a WrestleMania cover. And I was like, hey, that's that guy from that movie. I should watch this. <laughs> Wow. So yeah. So I, I I would rather maybe had your Goldberg Genesis if I mean if he was around during my age bracket, but <laughs> yeah. I, I, oh I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I found from a from a I'm doing air quotes again actor. <laughs> right. But where would it go from there, man? It's just like you you found Goldberg, you found WCW, and um, did you branch? <laughs> When did you really branch out and find out different types of wrestling? When did you find out that there was a WWF, WWE? It was WrestleMania 17. Uh. Literally the week WCW died. <laughs> um, yeah, it was WrestleMania 17. And my dad, once again, he recorded it on VHS. And um, I saw Jericho and Regal open. I thought they did an amazing job. But the once and for all that did it for me was that TLC match. Word. Definitely the TLC match. After that, I was like, I have to jump off of a ladder in front of a lot of people somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and and um and later that year, and this is actually a little ironic, my dad took me to my very first show. And it was in Bakersfield, and this was the SmackDown where, sure enough, Stone Cold and Booker T brawled in the grocery store. Word. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no, that's yeah. that's a fucking classic, man. It's just like I'll never forget that. <laughs> it's like price check on jackass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but man, it's just like at that time I never seen nothing that crazy, that silly, man. It's just like who would let them go in that grocery store and fuck shit up like that? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> But like, so you got the you got the itch, 
you got the inkling, you wanted to jump off ladders in front of many people or whatever. So where did you go to uh, facilitate this need to uh, entertain? It, you know, I would have been about seven at that time. So, you know, I teased the thought of it, but once I was 13, I was positive mm-hmm. at that point. I was just like, nah, this is it. This is what I'm doing. I don't care what anyone says. So, you know, and I remember my dad straight up told me, nah, you can't do that. <laughs> he was just like, nah, you, like just straight up, just shut down the entire dream. And I was like, okay, well, I'll go fuck myself. So I, you know, so I went to my mom, you know, and my mother and I, you know, my mother has always been my rock, my always supporting foundation, but we always had a rather distant relationship. So when I had started living with her, I, I was alone a lot of the time due to her work schedule. God bless her because she does so much to support our family. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I was isolated from her a lot. So she, she wanted me to stay out of trouble because I was starting, I was starting to get in trouble, you know, since my dad had moved out of state and everything was starting to, uh, you know, I was starting to lash out a bit. My dad was a very disciplinarian guy. Yeah. You know, it was no nonsense, no back talk. You know, he'll cuss you and your kids out too. He was that type of guy. Yeah. You know, so he, so when he left, I think I began to be a little bit of a loose cannon, you know, like I could finally be a kid. Yeah. You know, but because I had been subdued for so long, but you know, my mom, she started seeing the writing on the wall and she wanted me to get into some extracurricular activities. I didn't want to do football. I didn't want to join the chess club. I kept telling her, I was like, mom, I want to be a professional wrestler. She's like, okay, fine. She finally gives in and we start searching up wrestling schools in the area. And finally I found a wrestling school local here in the San Fernando Valley, um, ran by a man, named the equalizer rick drayson he was a wrestler back in the 60s he was trained by may young he you know he had his time in the sun you know he did a lot of work with like gold's gym and at the venice muscle beach and stuff like that so you know he, he was well known and we you know i got there and it was just the moment i stepped in it was the one time i felt like i belonged somewhere word and and it was like i had finally found my my groove and while i was training there i met a man by the name of reno and who wrestles as the black pearl he is uh he is a member of the samoan wrestling family mm-hmm. and and uh he would bring uh kishi there too a lot with him and that was how i met them and eventually after about two it took me about two years before i even saw a crowd you know, now it's crazy how these schools just pump out students like they're yeah. freaking babies, you know? Like, they're just pumping them out, like, left and right. Back then, you had to really, like, like, I feel like such an old man, but you really had to, like, earn your spot, yeah. you know? And it was it was really crazy, you know, like, how much work I had. And I was just wondering, like, man, I'm ready for shows. I'm ready for shows. No, I wasn't. I really wasn't. And the thing, I worked that for the captain in the way they did because I would have went out and made an ass of myself. Yeah. So, um, so eventually Casey and Reno ended up starting their own school in Burbank, the Knox Pro Academy. And that was when I officially went under their wing. The school was ran by them, Gangrel, Orlando Jordan. And, um, and yeah, from there I was off to the races. 
man orlando jordan man that, that, that a name i ain't heard in a good while whatever what was that like uh, under his tutelage he was do not let the gimmick fool you people yeah that man was a monster when it came to training oh my god that guy would have you huffing wheezing shitting on yourself and he would just be so calm about it he's like it's okay it's okay go like you'd be like, <laughs> like it was crazy like and but oh my god he he really like pushed us to our max all of them did uh, and the thing was all of them brought something different to the table you know it was really good being under all, all four of them but orlando ended up uh getting signed to tna so he ended up leaving the academy after that so um so yeah, I, from from that point on, I was under the tutelage of Gangrel, Rikishi, and uh, Black Pearl at that point. Word. Okay. So, uh, man, you talk about your first time being in the ring or whatever, and I can remember a similar event or whatever. I have a a pro wrestling minor or whatever. I mean, I, I've done the training. I never had a match or anything like that, but I got my ass right. beat a little bit. So. I remember the first time I even saw, like, I mean, I've I've been to shows, I've been to WrestleMania and all this other stuff or whatever, but I remember the first time I actually seen, like, the ring, like, put pieces on the ground, you know, just coming out the trailer, just, like, actually seeing the ring at its bare bones or whatever, and I was like, oh, fuck, that's it, that's it right there, that's the ring, and, um, right. dude showed me how to put it together and everything, and, like, that whole time I didn't even felt like I didn't feel like I was worthy enough to even be, be between the ropes so when we put the thing together I stayed on the outside and you know I did the, um, the sides and everything I put the post up and everything when it was time to do the ropes I just did the bottom ropes because I didn't even want to step on the apron you know and I just <laughs> like I just I was shook as fuck I was like dog this is a fucking wrestling ring man and then, then later on they offered to train me and then I remember the first time I actually got to step in there. You know, he was telling me about, you know, you show sure respect to the ring and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, wipe your feet before you go in. And I was like, I wiped my feet on the outside of the apron. I got in between the ropes, dog. And I I could have cried. I could have, my life could have ended moments after that and I've been fine with it because I got to step inside <laughs> a professional wrestling ring. And it was just fucking great. <laughs> It's definitely a surreal feeling, no doubt. Yeah, because like you sit there and you watch it for years and years and years and you build up a respect for all these different individuals that do the craft and when you get your moment to step in the ring for whatever reason it may be, it's just like, it's just, it's crazy, man. I was like, I, I had the chills and shit. <laughs> yeah, same here, man. Definitely. So, when did you feel like you were good enough to, uh, go out on the road and do shows in other places and whatnot to leave your your comfort zone from uh, where you were trained? Well, it was, they had began a product called Territory League. Mm -hmm. And Territory League, basically, it was a different type of show. The roster was broken up into teams. And the teams represented cities. So it was like an NBA type thing. Okay. And I remember I was put onto the Los Angeles team and on that Los Angeles team was me, Black Pearl, Gangrel, um, Steve Payne, he was a star in AAA. 
um, Jacob Fatu, and Gisette Marie. That was our team. Oh, and uh, Eyes in Disguise, of course. Eyes in Disguise. That was our team. That was the L.A. Templars. And I remember they were putting me in there with all these, like, they were, it was so crazy how fast I got thrust into the spotlight at such a young age, because here I am, I'm tagging with Gangrel, I'm wrestling against Kishi, mm-hmm. I'm wrestling against, you know, guys like uh, Grandmaster Sexay, you know, like all the guys <laughs> I grew up with, you know, like watching, I'm all of a sudden in the ring with them. I'm not even out of high school yet. Word. You know, and here I am in the ring with Hall of Famers like Godfather and stuff like that, you know, so they, they really, they definitely saw something in me because they threw the world at me really fast. But however, they threw the world at me they threw the world at me, but I didn't crumble. Any type of high pressure situation that they threw at me, it was it was my comfort zone. So that that was why it, it's crazy. I, whenever it's the smallest thing, I freak out. But whenever it's like you know shit's hitting the fan, I'm the calmest person in the world. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I feel that because like I mean, I could <laughs> I could relate to that in my household or whatever. You know, something would go wrong and everybody just flipping the fuck out. I was like, it's not that bad. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like a natural disaster, like an earthquake. I'll be the calm guy in it, but oh my god, don't let me see a spider. Game over. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and fucking fuck spiders, man. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, motherfuckers go to war and see some crazy shit or whatever, but let a motherfucking little bit ass spider come around this bitch. I'm burning the house down. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. But yeah, man. So, so pretty much like my confidence had developed, you know, after, you know, doing all this stuff. And, um, and I remember, uh, they really wanted to protect me. And I believe that was where I began to knock heads with them. They didn't want me really going out like that. They didn't want me working other places because, you know, the indie scene can be a very, it can be a very devious and dark place. Yeah, And I got that. However, I think that there was a point like now I'm seven years in, I haven't worked anywhere else besides like I wanted to prove myself because for years, everyone was saying, Oh, you can't do it without them. You can't like when it comes to this was all for vindication, self vindication. And, you know, to prove myself to the world, you know, they were not happy with what I did, you know, because I, you know, I ended up leaving the academy because I wanted to to go out there. And, they, you know, there was just like that big why. You know, you have all the connections here that you need. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I get that. But it's like, this is for me. I need to prove this to myself because I was always looked at as, you know, I was never looked at as Shiloh Greaves. I was always looked at as Kishi and Reno's kid. Yeah. You know, and I, I was, you know, like, not that that was a bad title to have. That, that wasn't a bad title to have at all. It's just. Like it, it's, it's a pride matter for me. Yeah. You know, my dad, he got famous being a singer and he did that shit with no references. He did that shit all on his own. You know, he, um, he came out with the song, take a letter Maria. It was a number two song in the country in 1969. My dad is also a nephew of Sam cook. Word. So yeah. So this, so this right here, like this bloodline right here, like, when it comes to the entertainment industry, it goes back very, very far. Yeah, and I, I, I can respect that or whatever. It's just like, I don't know, you, you don't want a motherfucker to baby you or whatever, right? Because, like, you know, I got kids and everything, and it's just like, 
I am trying to look out for them and keep them from making mistakes and everything because I have made mistakes. But at the same time, if they don't make the mistakes or, you know, try something on their own, you know, they won't grow and they won't be able to, you know, figure things out for themselves and whatnot. So I can I can relate to that in that aspect or whatnot. So, I mean, you're out here, you leave the school. I mean, how, how does that go starting out? Here's the thing. My biggest mistake when I hit the Indies was I thought people were going to care about the accomplishments I made with them. Mm-hmm. That was my number one mistake. I thought I was going to hit the Indies like, oh, man. It's that Shiloh Greaves kid, you know, like when he was 16, he was the, the big dude, you know, but it wasn't like that. Um, I was getting work, but it was not like, you know, I was going in there. I was helping out. I was basically doing everything that the indie wrestler is supposed to do. Asked to help set up, asked to help tear down, you know, all that stuff. I was going on these shows and I'm not going to say I was burning the house but like i was i was putting on period mm-hmm. i was definitely putting on and i was doing more than enough to get noticed but the thing was i don't know if it was my look people didn't like because you know i've always wrestled in street clothes i've always so you know i always had that sort of trash bag wrestler type of look to me yeah um that i was also very small that played a part too most likely um and you know also I was, you know, I was myself, you know, I, what you saw was what you got, you know? And I think, I think being yourself in the wrestling industry is such an industry where it's like, keep your mouth shut, keep your head down. Everyone's so afraid of each other. Me, I like, I don't care about none of that shit. Like, and I think just coming up around the Samoans has really made me just like immune to, to the bullshit in the industry because they taught me like, yo, I could see that coming from a thousand miles away. You know, I can tell when someone's trying to work me. I can tell when someone's, you know, being genuine, being fake, you know, because, yeah, you can't bullshit a bullshitter. Yeah. So, but the thing was, I ended up, long story short, I was struggling to get noticed on the uh, Los Angeles scene. And, you know, I was just knocking on doors. I kept knocking on the doors. Opportunity wasn't answered. Like, I just, I was sending my resume. I was sending everything out. I kept, my messages were left on red. All the time, I was helping to set up. Nobody cared about that. I would tear down. Nobody cared about that. You know, so eventually I was like, all right, I'm not about to keep knocking on these doors and having nobody answer. So I ended up, um, this would have been April of 2016. That was my first time going out to uh, the Midwest with Sam Knight. Because Sam Knight, Sam Knight's also an L.A. kid. And he really, you know, he trained with me at Knox. And he really saw me struggling and he saw what I was going through and he really brought me out, brought me in and took me just, just took me into his home. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't have shit. You know, I had no job. I had no car, like just nothing. And he was just like, yo, get out of LA, breathe for a while, you know, and let's figure this out. You know? So I went out there with him and I can honestly say he, he's the reason I'm still wrestling because at that point I was ready to give up mm-hmm. because I thought, you know, I thought I was done. You know, I had lost my connection with, you know, Kishi and them. I was flopping on the Indies. I was like, damn, I tried to swim and I sank. So I was starting to accept that. <coughs> and he was like, like you getting emotional over there. Is you, is you crying and shit? 
<laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I choked. I choked on a piece of ice. <laughs> oh God, damn. Okay. Uh, but yeah, he um, yeah, he he really got me going, and then from there, I ended up um going out to the UK. That was because my dad, my dad is actually from the UK and so is my family. So I, uh, so I ended up going out there and that was when I just from top to bottom, I just went on a little, just exodus. I just ended up touring the entire country. I was wrestling like four times a week. Like that was when I started really taking on the wrestler schedule, the full-time schedule. And I was like, wow, this is heavy. Like, cause I was like, I was like, you want to wrestle shy? Here you go. Here's a schedule. And it really put things into a different perspective for me because I was really, I was tired. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, it was set up, wrestle, tear down, go to the next show, you know, with a lot of partying in between as well. So it was, it was really, I was definitely like living a life and I enjoyed it. You know, but England is a pretty depressing place to live. And also my uh, visa was starting to expire. So I ended up having to leave. So I ended up coming back uh, to Illinois. And that was when I debuted the ignorant Shiloh Greaves character. Yeah, I was just about to add How, that. Yes, total, total accident. I just remember one night and I was with him. <laughs> I was with Sam Knight, and it was our buddy Mike and our buddy Dante, and we were at Walmart. And oh. I just remember, like, oh, that's my jam. That's my I, jam. My Walmart. <laughs> See, in it, you, yeah. you, you, you already got me hooked. You, you, the genesis of this whole thing come from Walmart. Goddamn. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, so you know, we go to Walmart, and the thing is, this promo was done for Big T Thomas Moore at uh, New West Pro in Indiana. You know, that's the thing. Like, we lived in Illinois, but most of the work we did was on the Indiana side of the border. Yeah. So, yeah, so we would, you know, so, yeah, so I ended up calling out Big T, and I was just talking about how I was going to pull up in a big body Tahoe, and I was going to break his ankle, you know, just, yeah. <laughs> just stupid stuff, you know, and, like, but the thing was, everyone, even the staff, they're just dying. And I was like, wow, like, you know, like, this is supposed to be dumb. So I was like, okay, so... I ended up posting it online. And the thing is, on average, my videos probably got about 150 views when I would post them back then. Mm-hmm. And then, like, this one got, a, or I want to say it was about 1,200, 1,300. And I was like, wow. You know, sure, it's not a big number to most, but for me, that was a big deal. I was like, wow, like, I may have really done something here. You know, so, I was, but the thing was, this character, like, I was always, like, the character I was given... I was always given like this rather street type of character, you know, but the problem with that is it's been done. Yeah. It's been done so many times, you know? So I was trying to make it different. I was like, well, what if this is just a street character, you know, on drugs? (laughs) So I was like, so I'm like, so I'm like, okay, like, like just super extra out street. Like, and the thing is this character, like I'm basing this off of people I grew up around, like people, like I know, like this all has like, personal meaning to me so i you know so i was like okay so here i got this street character i'm having fun with it all right let's up the ante let's just make it a full-blown bum just a full-blown just like homeless skid row so i ended up i would go to these areas and the thing was what 
what started this character was when I was stranded at the Chicago train station for a night. And I, w- I was forced to sleep in the snow. The police kicked me out and they forced me to sleep in the snow. And I think that was one of the angriest moments of my life. And I was like, you know what? I'm about to, I'm about to snap. I'm about to just snap. And that's what led to the, to the big T promo ultimately. And yeah. So from there, I just started making more videos, making more videos. But then the injury bug came in. <clears throat> I started um, having issue with my meniscus when I was in England the second time. And when I was there, the medic, I finally was on a show that had a medic. It was at Fight Factory, and the medic there told me, hey, take it easy, man. Like, like you're playing with fire now. Like, do you want to keep doing this? And I was like, okay, fine. So I ended up taking about 18 months off. So it was a long, long time that I took off. I did little matches here and there, but it was definitely against doctor's orders. And every match that I had in that time period, I was not proud of Mm -hmm. because my cardio was low. Um, Sometimes my knee felt great. Other nights, you know, it started, you know, that hot feeling started coming to the knee. So I was like, okay, you know, like, so finally I, once I started, uh, I was at work one night. I started working graveyard shifts. I was a security guard, and I remember I was, and this is a huge apartment building with so many places to run around that. I remember I just took my uniform off, and I started sprinting up this hill. And I remember I, I was like, okay, if I can make it to the top of this hill without dying, I'm coming back to wrestling. And I made it to the top of that hill. And it was, so when I met, I was like, okay, I could do this. So that was when I started writing out this web series because I was like, okay, we're going to document the story of this recovering drug addict mm-hmm. who's trying to get back into wrestling. That's what we're, and it, this was also done to shine light on addiction mm-hmm. and mental health issues in the wrestling industry because there's a whole lot of it. Mm-hmm. So I ended up, um, I, the first promo I did, I was like, okay. My first match back is a rematch against Big T. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm like, that first promo got me a lot of views. What can I do to to um, make it better? Like, what can I do to, like, really just show people, oh, my God, he's back. Jesus. Because I had been watching Shadowless, and I, I had watched Frank Gallagher, and I had watched the way he... He had, I studied his character and I studied the way his mannerisms and everything. And I was also going into some of the worst neighborhoods in LA and watching how the homeless operated, watching how they did things. So finally I was like, all right, what would a dirty human being do in this situation? I was like, he would go and spit in that dante. So I went, I did the promo. It was all done in one take. We went in. We purchased the tea before anything. I want to go on record and say that. We yeah. purchased the tea before we did anything with it. And we marked it. We marked the bottle, so we made sure that we had grabbed the correct one. So we go in. We do the promo. It's me, my buddy, and his little sister. We film it. It was Christmas Eve. You know, we, that was it. It was quick. We were literally in and out of the store within, honestly, a total of about six minutes. So we did it. We go home, go to sleep. Nothing of it. You know, it was, you know, got about half the the amount of views that the first big T promo got. So I was like, all right, then whatever, you know, I just thought, um, you know, it was a nice way to kick things off. 
Because the thing was, like this, that, like that T promo, that was just skimming the surface of yeah. the things that I was planning to do. Because it's like, you know, like I'm pretty sure if you watch the rest of my web series, you know, you're going to see a couple attempts of murder in there. You're going to see <laughs> quite a few, uh, you know, like you're going to see a, a suicide attempt. You're going to see a lot of things in there. Like, like, and this, like, like I said, I'm just skimming the surface because now this whole situation just gave me more material. Yeah, so much. basically, so basically, yeah, man, like <clears throat> I just ended up, I forgot about it. But the thing was, I like, you know, so I go back out to Chicago, you know, we're doing our thing, man. We, me and Sam Knight are tagging now because Sam Knight, you know, he's doing, he has like the Christian gimmick, you know. So he's, you know, he's the guy by everybody. Mm-hmm. He's the guy, you know, he's always doing the right thing. And this, this guy comes to his house, this old friend of his, and it's just such a contrast mm-hmm. in the character. And I just, it was just the perfect, it was the perfect definition of opposites attracting. And, <laughs> and, um, yeah, we had a lot of fun. No, you know, um, he, he, I, not, I couldn't have asked for a better, uh, co-star, yeah, honestly. Not, not to cut you off or whatever, but like, um, I was going through some of the videos prior to us, uh, talking and whatnot. And, um, just hearing you, uh, you know, talk about the setup and how it came to be and you actually writing down the material and whatnot. Um, we talked about professional wrestling heavy, you know, your journey into professional wrestling and whatnot, but did you have any other, you know, uh, things that you wanted to pursue, like acting or anything like that? And that was, that's funny that you brought that up because honestly, this right here, this character was a gamble. It was a major gamble. And I remember when I first debuted it, there were a lot of people that were not liking it. You know, a lot of guys that were just like, hey, man, like, you're a good wrestler, Shy. Don't do this, man. Like, like you're better than this. It, it, don't be bitter. Be better. Hey, guys, I'm okay with admitting it. I was bitter. I was very bitter. You know, I, um, I had been busting my ass for so long, and it was like nobody gave a fuck. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I was bitter. And that bitterness, you see that come out onto the camera. And I think that's what makes this character so much more different because there is real emotion being put into this. Mm. There is genuine fire in my eyes when I do this. So it's like, it's, it's real, it's passionate, you know, and like a lot of the things, you know, that Sam Knight says to me, that's real. Mm. Like that, that, there's real things in there where me and him are shooting on each other, you know, but the thing was that thing about the script. <clears throat> so funny thing about the script, I write this whole script out. I have this whole thick stack of papers, you know, and I'm like, okay, man, we're going to go out, going to go back to the Midwest and kill this shit. I had a straight panic attack the day I'm leaving and I left the script. I left the script at home and I remember Sam was like, nah, we're good. We're good. Bullet points. And I think that was way better. I think it ended up turning out way better because everything we ended up doing on camera from that point was so organic yeah yeah and that that's what i was going to bring up as well because like i watched the first video when you initially showed up to his house with the with the letter and everything and um you could tell there was like you were okay but like with sam it was just like you can tell he was kind of uncomfortable but as the videos progress and everything it's just more natural and it's just like yeah having a regular conversation and shit like it's just like it's meant to be this way <laughs> The uncomfort that you saw out of Sam was him trying not to laugh because there's yeah, quite a yeah. few times where we're breaking. <laughs> like, 
Like there was definitely a few times where we broke and you could see it. Like, but you know, so like, it's funny, you know, like it's like, and eventually like, we were just like, fuck man, let's just have fun with this man. Like who cares? You know, it's like, like that's the thing. It's like, that's the problem. When people in wrestling try something new, it tends to not get a good review. Yeah. You know, like, like, you know, like, when Brian Pillman pulled that gun out on Steve Austin, oh, yeah. that was something new. And guess what? They both got buried for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The wrestling world dragged them through the dirt. Are you kidding? Oh my God. They got dragged to the, just, Oh my, and there's been way worse. Yeah. There's been way worse since that's happened. So, you know, like, and that was a thing. And I think that was the difference between that nineties and early two thousands period from now was those guys were more, willing to take risks mm-hmm. now it's turned into a big gymnastics competition these guys throw on their trunks they put their little white tape on and they kick pads and they go out there and you know do do their flips you know not not saying that that shit ain't cool yeah. but you know eventually it's like all right but like what's your purpose here i get it but like what like why are you here who are you you know it's like cool you, you're a great athlete but it's like I'm I'm a character driven guy. Yeah. I'm taking the character over the wrestler. Mm-hmm. You know, so so yeah, that was that was something that I was always like heavily thought. Characters will always do better. Yeah, that is true. And um did you use any uh characters as a reference in, as in uh, pertains to professional wrestling? What was that? Like did you use any um characters within professional wrestling as kind of like um to kind of pull things from and whatnot to kind of like help you hone your character? This, this was a combination of very early Stone Cold and the Harlem Heat. <laughs> I took, I, I like tried to combine them so you get this light skin clusterfuck that ends up being me. <laughs> light skin clusterfuck. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the shirt dog. Light skin clusterfuck. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's just like um, I think one of the funnier ones is when I was scrolling through or whatever. I think it was um after the um, y'all went to the gym or whatever. You just kind of laying in the parking lot, dragging your legs across the ground. <laughs> yeah, because that was a shoot. I have a bad relationship with my legs, man. So when I work them, so when I work my legs, it's like no. And Sam, he just got these big tree trunks of legs, and here I am, like, and I'm like, bro. I can't squat that much. He's like, yes, you can. And he, he got me on the fitness journey too. Yeah. You know, cause me and him both, like we were both like bottom of the barrel, you know, like when it came to like fitness wise, like I let myself go to shit. So did he, but he began making changes and a domino affected onto me. Yeah. He started dropping weight. I started putting on weight. So now here we are, we're in better shape. We're doing our thing, but you know, eventually home was calling me. Mm-hmm. I needed to come home because wrestling was like, I, we got our storyline out. We had our, our match, you know, and eventually I was like, okay, I need to start getting my life together outside the ring because wrestling's not paying me. I've dedicated my entire life to this and it's really not made me any money. And I was like, you know what? Maybe, it's time to put this on hold, not walk away, but put it on hold. You know, what I wanted to do was I wanted to start promoting. I wanted to start getting into, you know, running shows because I've done it before. Yeah. 
when I was, but the problem was when I did it, I was very young. I was only about 20 years old and I, um, and of course funding, yeah. funding came through cause running a show in LA is about as easy as selling a used condom. So <laughs> I, yeah. So I ended up, I ended up, um, just saying, you know what, take a step back, have, you know, let the wrestling's not going anywhere. But the thing was, it was starting to boom. Yeah. Wrestling is starting to boom right now. So it's like, it was very hard for me to walk away right as I was getting hot, right in the middle of a boom. But I'm like, I need to survive out here. So I came back to my land. I started laying low. I went back to work and, um, yeah, just, just all of a sudden this just blew up in my face. Yeah. <laughs> so like, what was that? I guess the day or even the morning of like for you, when you, you find, you see yourself on TV and w- with these allegations and all these other reports and whatnot of, uh, the incident. <laughs> So it was funny. So I'm at my friend's house. I'm just, I'm just at my buddy's house, you know, and like I walk home, like I was there for the whole day. Like I was there till about like five in the afternoon. So, you know, I was like, all right, I'm calling it a day. I'm, I walk home, I get home and I lay down in my bed and all of a sudden I go on my Instagram and this, uh, this random, I forget his name, but it was from a wrestler and he has like a screenshot of me and he's like, Hey, isn't this you? And I was like, oh, yeah, that is me. And it's like, it's a, it's a shot of my promo. And I saw, I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm at the 20,000. I was like, wow, the big deep promo's getting me over. Then I click on, on the video. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's not what happened. <laughs> and then as I refresh it, this is like within minutes, the views went from like 20,000 to 25,000. Then I see on top, it says retweet till he's arrested. I was like, what? what uh, what, what, what? So... <laughs> So, you know, I'm like, so I'm like, okay. So I'm thinking, okay, 20,000, whatever, 25,000, whatever. Then it's at 50,000. I'm like, okay, now it's at 130,000. All right. And then like, it's just growing and growing. I'm getting more messages from people. I'm getting messages from wrestlers, from people, you know, and like people saying, oh, I hope you die, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I'm starting to like, I'm freaking out. So I delete all my social media. Cause I'm like, shit, you know, I'm like, what do I do? Because the thing is, whenever stuff like this happens, most people say remain silent. Mm-hmm. And if you're an innocent person, remaining silent is the worst thing you can do because it only makes you look worse. Yeah. I ended up, I ended up, you know, I ended up making myself look worse. Like he deactivated his social media. He's running, blah, blah, blah. So I was thinking it was going to just blow over, but like it kept piling and piling. Now I'm into the hundreds of thousands of views. Now I'm reaching a million. I'm like, okay, I have to say something about this. So I ended up writing my statement out. You know, it was very heartfelt, you know, and it was genuine. So I ended up uh, writing it out and, yeah, that kind of was very irrelevant because nobody cared. <laughs> people literally, people literally read right past it and left their comment. Like, no, like, like it was like talking to a gigantic brick wall. And these people, just, oh man, the threats—they were racist. They were just—they were like. Then I was on World Star. I have my old roommate text me, "Dude, you're on fucking World Star," and I'm oh. like, "Dude, stop." lying but i was free then 
Then they started blasting my address out because they could just go on Google and find anyone's info. That's fucking scary. Yeah. That's some scary shit. And so I'm, so now, so now I'm over here like, damn, okay. You know, I'm freaking out. The main thing I was kind of liking the heat that I was getting. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of liking it. It was when you bring the police into it and you try to get my freedom taken. That's when I was like, all right, you know, that's when I knew it had gotten uh, too far. So I ended up, um, I ended up uh, writing my statement out and I knew the police were coming, you know, like my family, they didn't think they were, they were like, you didn't commit a crime. You didn't commit a crime. I was like, they're going to come. They're going to come. Sure enough on that work. And my sister calls me and she's like, the fucking cops are here. And like, and I'm just like, great. You know? So, um, they ended up, they ended up leaving. Um, I came home, you know, talked to my family and all that and went to sleep next morning. Cops are at my door again. Um, and they, as soon as I opened the door, they were pretty much like, damn, you look like you had a rough week. <laughs> you know, like they were, yeah. Like, cause I hadn't slept. I hadn't eaten, you know, like they're blasting my address out here. I'm out here trying to protect my family. You know, I'm the youngest one, but still it's like, I feel like I got them into this. You know, I'm about to keep them out of it as well. So they, and I'm just like, literally like, you don't know, bro. Like I'm literally just stood outside in the front three in the morning pacing, you know, just like waiting, like waiting for somebody, you know, like just waiting for the worst. Eventually, like I became, I became accepting of it. Yeah. You know, because I was like, I predicted that the cops were going to come. So I know hostile people are going to come too eventually. So, you know, I was waiting for the mob. Luckily, so far, no mob has came. Um, and yeah, <laughs> it's, it's died down. It's definitely died down. But, you know, my guard is still very high. Yeah. Well, I yeah, mean, so it's, I think, I think, go on, go on. yeah, I think what a lot of it is just like, um, it's been, I think it's been debunked enough to where like, there's enough people like, Hey man, you know, this was part of this and, you know, it's not a part of that. If you know what I'm saying, because you had um, a clip on your freaking uh, Instagram of a dude doing a report of, uh, you know, it was telling everybody, that, hey, this was a part of a wrestling skit and so on and so forth. Yeah, that, that was JB Gunner. And he was like, he was like the only person on the media. I'll tell you right now, like when I watched that video, I like I, I think it was probably like combined with like not sleeping for three days and like my like just my brain was on fire at that point. Mm-hmm. I broke down watching that because finally somebody put the effort in to help me like that helped the police investigation. Yeah. You know that, you know, and also the the police said that, that my post, my statement was probably the smartest thing I could have did, you know? And that's what I say to anyone that lands themselves in some sort of accidental scandal. You know, if you're innocent, if you're really innocent and you're truly like genuinely innocent, don't be silent. You fight, you fight that shit because these people want you to crumble. They want you to kill yourself. It's crazy. I saw the ugliest possible side to humanity this week, honestly. Word. Now- and, and I don't know. And I don't know what was worse. I don't know what was worse. The side of humanity that ended up, you know, shitting on me and dragging me through like the lynch mob mentality or the side of afterwards where all my like, like friends from high school, from middle school, all of a sudden, what's up, man? What's up, superstar? You know, it's like, yeah. I don't know which was uglier than me. 
Yeah. Like people I haven't talked to since 2010, you know, just hitting me up, like talking about get an attorney. I'll hook you up with an attorney. If you get money, give me a cut. Fuck you. <laughs> well, you know, like, fuck you. Haven't talked to you since ninth grade. Yeah. Now, um, me looking at it, like before um, I got in contact with whoever and they got us together to do this interview or whatever, me seeing it, right. I knew something was up with it. It's like it didn't seem like the bluebell shit to me. It was just like something is off about this because I only I didn't see the whole thing. I only saw the clip that was presented, you know, making you look guilty and shit. But just what right. from what I saw, it didn't seem right to me. It was just like something is up with this. It's just like the other one that's going around too with the um, the Listerine one or whatnot, where the motherfucker just yeah. grab the Listerine off the shit, gargle it, and spit it back in the bottle. I was like, first of all. Who the fuck opened a Listerine bottle like that? Because I have a Listerine bottle under my sink right now, and to open that thing is a chore. I'm fucking biting the plastic yeah. off of this bitch. <laughs> I'm trying to peel the thing off and get the ring right, and then you got a daggone reach down and squeeze the bottom and twist it. That was gimmicked. That was rigged. So <laughs> Yeah, that makes you work for that, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So something like that, I was like, I, something was off about that. That, so that was somebody clout chasing, pretty much, with the Listerine shit. Yes. And then when I looked at your video, I was just like, something's up with that. That's not, that doesn't seem like somebody trying to do something malicious to me. Because I think there's right. multiple clips and um, they all cut different because there's just like, I guess the one I saw was you, you spit in the thing and then you walked to the end of the aisle and it was kind of like, oh, you done recording? We good? Or whatever. Something like yes. that. Yes. Yeah, he just stays there. Yeah, that's that's the one I saw. So I that's what made me think that like uh this is fake, you know. Right. So but you know, we we kind of it's kind of dying down and everything the, the the heat from the situation and whatnot. Now that you're kind of cleared and everything, you know, you got shit straight with the police and whatnot. You got people stepping up and uh coming to bat for you. Uh what's next after this, man? Um Honestly, I have, it took me, I had to sleep. I honestly had to sleep because my mind was not in a good place. I was, I'm not an angry guy. I'm seriously not, despite the character I play on camera. I'm really not an angry guy, and anyone that truly knows me will tell you that. However, anyone that truly knows me will also tell you when I do get angry, it's fucking war. So it's like, now... I was extremely angry. I was three days without sleep. And that was when I dropped that, uh, that was when I dropped that little shoot on everybody because there's people like, there was people out here in the local wrestling scene that were like legitimately leading the charge against me. And these are people who like, I remember when all these people started, I remember like when, when they were like doing their front rolls and shit like that. I remember when they were having their first matches and it's, it, it was just mind-boggling because I was like, wow, like, I really shook y'all hands. Like, I really, like, talked to y'all. Like, I thought, like, we were cool, you know? And that's why I had said I really found out which, and that's why the biggest blessing in this industry or that, that came out of this was I really found out who was real and fake. Yeah. Like, that right there straight exposed everyone in my book. You know, like, people are calling me scum. People are, you know, saying, you know, I don't have talent. And it's just like, okay, I'm still more fucking viewed than you, bitch. 
<laughs> you know, so that that's how I see it. You know, anyone in SoCal wrestling or uh, Las Vegas wrestling scene, I even called out the open fade, like the shoot fade. Like, I was like, dude, if anyone wants to get in the ring and catch my fucking fade and make some money off this, we can do that. Everyone was silent. Then nobody say nothing. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Like, now, now y'all brought out the street side of me. And that's the side that I try to keep compressed. Because that side is just, it's not necessarily dangerous, but it's fucking petty. It's very fucking petty. You know, so I'm, yeah, I was just, like I said, like I was on, you know, a war path, you know, because that's the thing. Everybody wants to play tough guy until somebody offers the knuckle. Yeah. You know, so it's like, yeah, it's just like there's so many guys that claim to be shoot fighters out here. Okay, let's have us a shoot fight. But nobody wanted to do that shit. You know, and it's probably because a lot of the guys that hated on me were top guys in a lot of places. That was what, that was probably the one thing I really took. Every dude that hated on me was a top guy somewhere. And if this was WWE, the way that they got, that the way that they got at me, Vince would have pushed me because of that. Because that's how Vince used to operate. If any of the top guys were hating on somebody, Vince would push that guy because they saw them as a threat. Word. That's how shit used to work. Now, what was funny to me, um, made a post three days ago. It was just <laughs> you and your man in the car or whatever. <laughs> you try to take the steering wheel and shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah was- that, that, that was because we, we had a match coming up. Me and him had a match coming up, and uh, I was trying to avoid the match. So I was trying to kill us both before the match happened. <laughs> he, smacked the, <laughs> he smacked the shit out of you, man. Yeah, that shit made my ear ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then then you knocked the mirror down and shit too, right? <laughs> oh yeah, we had to super glue it at the gym. We went to the gym. We had to super glue it back together after. God damn! <laughs> so I mean, obviously you still have a um, strong bond with uh you and uh Sam or whatever, but like honestly, man, I you know I told you before we got up on the air and whatnot. You you need to pursue this uh freaking the skits and the, the show man just like try to put a little more into it or whatever i mean i ain't telling you how to do your shit but i would no hi- no definitely i would highly recommend it because like to me just going through it or whatever for this you know preparing for this or whatever it was just like it it tickled me it was funny to me <laughs> right and it was just like that dynamic that you talked about or whatever and you know i can i i can actually see the difference or whatever from when i seen the first video to you know what was supposed to three the up and the down that you was talking about like he was bigger you were smaller then now you're kind of bigger and he's kind of smaller and whatnot so yeah man it's just like i like to see the journey pretty much you know and i got that through these uh couple of videos that i seen from uh you and him and i would like to see that continue on because like i believe it could be something good because look what being the elite done for the young bucks and all them. And I kind of like kind of view that in the same kind of light. Right. And that was the other thing, you know, that was the other reason that I did this was because this right here, when, and this is something I would recommend all wrestlers to do document your journey, give your character some more depth. Because the thing is people aren't going to get emotionally invested to you just off of your, your match alone. It doesn't work like that. You know, it's like, your 450s and everything like that, like, that's cool and all, but that's not going to cause emotional investment. You're going to get that wow, you're going to get that clap, but they're not going to give a fuck about you. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, the promoters, they, they get wet over. That's the problem with the wrestling industry. The wrestlers try too hard now to pop the fucking boys. Mm. That's what it turned into. They tried so hard to be like, to get the boys in the best. But, oh, that was a cool pile driver, man. That was a cool Canadian destroyer. But it's like never once do the wrestlers ask what the fans want. And I think that's why wrestling is in the shape that it's in now. Because the fans have been neglected for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, it turned into a big gymnastics competition. Word. Now, um, <laughs> with the uh, success of being the elite and AEW and uh, MLW starting to come up and all these other different promotions or whatnot, if you had your way to kind of work your character into any one of those uh, places or whatnot, where would you like to have Shallow pop up? I would love to have Shiloh at AEW. Mm-hmm. I think AEW because they are leading a revolution, and I believe I'm leading one too, and I believe it would be a perfect just match right there. I think that the culture of the company, I think I would fit in with the culture of the company. They're, on, they're all about trying new things. I'm all about trying new things. I really like, um, I think the main thing that stood out to me was how they're about to give their wrestlers health insurance. Yeah. That was so big to me. Word. That was so big to me, and I think, um, you know, God, God bless them what they're doing. You know, that the thing is, you know, I don't know how good or bad this was for me, but yeah, no, I'm on. When it comes to the major companies, I'm on everybody's head right now. Like I'm coming after everybody right now. So, you know, who, whoever wants this issue, shit, let's do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Now, um, damn, I had something, but I lost it. That just that damn quick. Um, Social media. <laughs> Final thoughts on that? Social media. Um, let's be better, guys. You know, like there were, I appreciate the people that gave me hate mail but came back and apologized because honestly, I think that takes a very big person to admit that they were wrong. Yeah. You know, and jump the gun. You know, and I honestly think that the public has been a little bit better than the wrestling community. And that aspect, when it comes to admitting that they were wrong, because a lot of the wrestlers that were sharing for me to get arrested aren't sharing that I'm innocent. Mm -hmm. And that's like, and honestly, wrestling is supposed to be a brotherhood. And I believe that is very sad that they operate like that because these, like, these are guys that I looked at as admirable men, you know, like I saw like, wow, like like you're a real stand up guy, but then it's like, you know, it's crazy how quick people could turn on you just because that's what the crowd's doing. Hmm. Yeah, and it's like, unfortunately, that's just kind of like the nature of the thing or whatnot. Um, one thing that pisses me off to no end or whatever. I mean, I get it, but it still makes me angry. Uh, like Kurt Angle, one of the greatest professional wrestlers alive. Right. That he come out and they chant, you suck at him. You know, I, mean? I, I know why they do it, but it's still to me that's disrespectful as fuck because he doesn't. <laughs> or like. Oh, right. Like with the the John Cena shit, that John Cena sucks or whatever. I know why they do it, but like, there's an ass load of motherfuckers in the crowd that's chanting that shit and don't know what the fuck they're doing. They're just doing it because everybody else is doing it, you know. Oh yeah, but the thing was, Cena, he, he mastered it so smart because Cena, he was trying for for a long time. He was trying to force it. Mm-hmm. I think like he was trying to force people to like him, but you could tell there was a stage in his career where he was like, you know what? Let's make light of this. He would acknowledge the people booing him. He would acknowledge the 50-50 that, like, and he, I think, kind of 
almost changed like the industry in a way like that in a weird way. I don't know how, but I feel like it really changed things like that because when Roman got pushed to the top, I felt like he got it even harder. Yeah. Because Roman, in my opinion, I think Roman was putting on better performances than Cena was mm-hmm. at that point in his career. And like people wanted him. People were begging for him. But the moment he got the push, they were just like, nah, same is happening with Becky Lynch right now. You clamor for her, you want her, and then you finally get her, and then y'all bitch about it. Yeah. And then I I don't even think it's so much that you know, you finally get what you want, so now you don't want it no more. It's just the manner and way that it was uh done. Cause uh what made her was completely accident when she got a fucking face busted, you know? And then yes. once they was like, Oh shit, we got something, let us stick our fingers in it, that's kinda when it started going to shit. Because after that, you know, she was still hot, but the way they presented her on TV and her character, whatever. They saturated her. They saturated her. Exactly. They they gave you too much too fast. Same with Roman. I could definitely say the same happened with Roman. But, um, but yeah, like eventually, like with Roman, like it just started getting bad to the point where it was like, like these people were, and then it, it is sad that like the thing that it took for people to get behind Roman was the guy nearly dying. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, you know, it's like, like, it's crazy, you know, and it's crazy that the similar thing is kind of happening to me right now. It took me nearly having my life rights and everything taken from me for people to finally rally behind me after 12 long years. Yeah. Sad, but hey, man, shit happens. Yeah, tra- I guess tra- tragedy creates support, I guess, yeah. you know? Yeah. So. Before we ride up on out of here, man, I appreciate you giving me your time and everything. I appreciated the journey, the stories and everything. And I hope to see more of your um, creative skits and whatnot with you and Sam. I mean, no, y'all need to get some uh, animator up in there to do like some cartoon versions of this shit. You know, I believe those characters would look funny as fuck. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely, bro. But uh, before you go. I know you you done turned everything back on and everything. Let everybody know where they can find you on social media. Um, I'm on Facebook as Shiloh Grease, just my regular name, Shiloh Grease, and I'm on Instagram as ignorant underscore Shiloh underscore Greaves. Um, Twitter, I'm gonna have to get my ass back on Twitter. Yeah, because I haven't used Twitter since 2011, so I'm definitely gonna have to uh, get back on there because that's the site that made me start. <laughs> <laughs> honestly i think i owe them one <laughs> yeah for sure um any bookings or anything coming up that you want to put out there uh no no bookings yet. No, nothing has been announced yet um there's been a lot of requests but they're for later in the year and i'm honestly i don't know where i'm going to go after this because i'm thinking about leaving the country again going back to the uk thinking about heading back out to Chicago and linking up with Sam again. Like they're so like, Mm. you know, I'm also considering heading out to Atlanta, you know, trying to, uh, you know, join, uh, AR Fox's school, something like that, you know, get under somebody else's wing. There's so many directions to go right now. And I just, yeah. Like right now it's like one of those, like what's next. I'm in the same boat as you. What's next. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I really don't know, man, but I'm just riding the wave and I'm just going to try and have as much fun with this as I possibly can. Try and turn this negative to a positive. 
For sure. Um, you know, to give you a little thing or whatever, I think you should go back to the same grocery store if you can or just one like it and uh, just take pictures with a whole bunch of Arizona tea. <laughs> well, uh, I was there yesterday. I was there yesterday and I did film and the staff was not too happy. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that they recognized me. Because the police did get in touch with that exact location. So, I'm pre- yeah, like, they were not happy. They were like, come on, are we in high school? And I was like, I'm sorry. I love you all. Like, you know, I went, I, yeah, so I did it. I did the video. It's going to be up soon. It's going to be up soon. So, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a little bit, it was definitely a little bit uh, nerve-wracking. Because I was like, oh, crap, here we go again. Like, I thought I was going to get attacked by the mob again. So, I was like, shit. Okay. <laughs> but But, no, everything was okay. And yeah, but that's definitely, yeah, the, the videos are definitely about to start coming out again, though, for those wondering. Word. I'm looking forward to it. But um, once again, man, appreciate you for being here, giving me your time and whatnot. And um, as it is for all guests that's been on the show, the door is always open for you to come back to promote your next big thing or just to come shoot the shit, man. Yes, sir. Love to. And that was the homie Shallow Greaves, man. It's just like, um, I never had anything like that on the show. I mean, of course, I've had professional wrestlers and everything like that, but I've never had someone on the show from like a viral video or anything like that. So it's fucking cool. Well, I mean, I did have Sock Monkey Mike on here. He was he had his face for a couple seconds on Raw. I think it was the first time Braun Strowman put somebody through the LED boards on the stage and everything. I forgot who that was. He did that too. But yeah, they got a good five to six second uh, face shot reaction of a uh, Sock Monkey Mike or whatever. Shout out to so- Sock Monkey Mike and everything. Uh, doing his thing over where he do his things at. <laughs> that sounded stupid as fuck, didn't it? But anyway, yeah, man, just uh, this internet shit, man. I just, it's just like, I don't know what to believe anymore. And I find myself, when I see stuff like this, not believing it at all sometimes. It's like That's why, look, everyday me doesn't even watch television. You know, I don't watch the news you know, I'm not scrolling for the news on my social media or whatever. I'm just promoting the show. So, you know, I am ignorant to a lot of things, but the most important shit kind of finds it finds its way to me. You know, so, I mean, I'm not completely in the dark, but I'm not as well versed in uh, what's going on outside, you know, my little space as um, a lot of other people. But um the social media shit, man, is just it's just fucking crazy. Cause like how we talked about the mouthwash thing, it, it, just take it into account personally yourself. If you use mouthwash and you know buying it from the store and goddamn trying to open that shit up at home, it's it's a difficult task. And you mean to tell me somebody just has enough freaking just hand grip strength or whatever the fuck it may be to pop open a Listerine bottle like that with no film or sticker paper on it? Or whatever, and just gargle and put it back. You know, it was it was a setup. It was it was gimmicked. It was like they just doing it for attention. And I don't understand why you want that type of attention in the context of a Shiloh shit or whatever. It was for a purpose. It was for a show. It was for wrestling. You know, he just didn't go there all willy nilly and spit in a goddamn Arizona tea bottle just because. And I did forget to ask him <laughs> what they did with it after that because, like, all right. 
I know that they did that skit for a show and it was um bought and paid for and whatever. But what do you do with that tea after that? I mean, it's your own spit. Do you drink it or whatever? I mean, I I, I didn't get to ask him that. <laughs> but uh, it's crazy. You know, you, you don't know what to believe anymore. I believe that the girl that licked the shit, that wasn't staged or whatever. I don't believe they went back in the freezer after that and pulled that ice cream out and just like, no, we're going to take this shit home or whatever. But, you know, they got the dude that was barehanding the ice cream and had his camera person barehanding the ice cream and they put that shit back without the top on it. So, you know, why would you want to do something like that? Period. You know, just without a purpose other than to get clicks and views. I mean, you heard what Shiloh went through. And, you know, his shit was planned. His shit was for a purpose. And then you just got these people doing this shit just for the fuck of, you know. Do you want that smoke? As uh, this generation says, do you want all that that drama or whatever? Do you want to be up four or five days like my man was and pacing back and forth thinking somebody going to come try to do harm to you and your family and shit? Do you really want that? What type of person are you to, to want that type of drama in your life? You know, but it's part from the course. I'm glad that they got his um side of the story out there. I was uh, very glad that he shared his journey with me in life and in professional wrestling. So you got to hear that side of it other than it just, you know, what the media puts out there. So, yeah, with that being said, we're going to put a pin in this thing um, coming up. Here in November, I'm going to be at the J1 Con in Atlantic City, New Jersey. So you can come hang out with your boy uh, November 2nd and 3rd. Unfortunately, you know, as I've been um, advertising on the past couple episodes, I applied for the New York City Comic Con and I did not get accepted. So, you know, I'm not sad about it or whatever. You know, I was just kind of looking for an excuse to go back to New York, but I don't think I need a Comic Con or whatever to get me to go back there so i might stage another trip later on down the line but you know i didn't get accepted so if whoever was wondering about that now you got your answer i didn't get accepted <laughs> New York City oh lord jesus my world is over i'm about to go to the store and put my ass cheeks on the ice cream and put it back in the freezer now that would be some nasty shit man <laughs> somebody put uh i'm sorry i'm gonna probably edit that out i don't want to give nobody no ideas to do no stupid shit or whatever it'd be like rubbing your ass on the copy machine (laughs) you have your butt cheek imprints and somebody bluebell whatever man i'm sorry i even said that anyway but uh we'll put a pin in it i'll be at the j1 con in november um touching down in philly driving down to atlantic city if you're in the area Holla at your boy. We're going to do some things. We're going to have a podcast. I'm going to be a part of the Black Finity Gauntlet, whatever that is. I still haven't got the details. I know you listen to this show, so, I mean, you, you should be hitting me up in my DM telling me what the hell I'm going to be doing other than causing uh, chaos, hate, and discontent. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then I think that's it. Um, I haven't really looked into any other cons. A lot of them have been popping up. And it's just uh, too short of a time frame to prepare for it or whatever. So I'm thinking 2020 is going to be the year that I actually 
really get out there and start touring around and doing some big things or whatever. You know, there's been an evolution, man. Year one, what this is almost going on four years of doing this. Year one was uh, getting used to doing the thing. Year two was, um, you know, kind of finding the guests and the audience. Year three has just been more of a networking thing and actually doing more live things and, you know, getting around in the world. And year four is just like, you know, it's time to tour, baby. Get the, get this thing on the road. It's at least just how I see it in my mind and whatnot. So, yeah, that all remains to be seen. You know, life comes at you fast and, you know, you don't know what tomorrow will hold for you and whatnot. You know, this, I don't know if people are here talking with you and carrying on everything and then they did the next day. So, you know, I hate to put a grim outlook on things, but that's just how life works, baby. You never know. Here today, gone tomorrow. But you can follow me on Twitter and see what the hell I'm doing other than promoting all these fantabulous episodes of the Random Rounds of Rob and Wrestling is Trash, which I believe um, this is going to double since he is a professional wrestler. So I'm going to repurpose this episode as well. It's gonna, you're going to hear it twice if you're following Wrestling is Trash. So you hear it here on the Random Rounds of Rob and then you'll hear it again also on Wrestling is Trash for the wrestling audience. So yeah, man, I, I'm I don't I don't I'm at a loss for words. It's just like this whole thing is uh got me kind of fucked up in the head, man. Like how people treat you for a certain shit, man. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Let me get up out of here. All right, it's B Rob on Twitter. I T S B R O B. You can uh talk professional wrestling with me or whatever. I I've just finished the uh, fight for the fallen. Uh, pay-per-view. I'm about to watch the Evolve show and then I'm uh, prepare for, as I record, Extreme Rules later on tonight. And uh, you can follow this show on Twitter at 3R Show. You can follow Wrestling is Trash on Twitter at Wrestling Be Trash. And you can go to randomrobcast.com to where you can find all of manner of ways to help support the show to whether it be Patreon or buying merchandise or PayPal and me some things or maybe even using my Amazon wish list to provide equipment for the show. Um, but regardless of me plugging all those avenues for you to spend your money, the most important way that you can support this show and any other show that you listen to is by writing reviews. Please write a review. Go to Amazon, uh, Amazon shit. I wish I had my shit on Amazon. <laughs> Go to iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you listen to the show, write a review, leave some comments, five stars preferably. But if it's anything under five stars that uh, constructive criticism is pre- uh, appreciated, um, retweet, subscribe, hashtag, tell a friend to tell a friend. I'm, I'm in the business of giving out crisp high fives, baby. So uh, <laughs> if you're in my vicinity, we can make that happen or I can give you one virtually. Um, I think that's about it, man. Got some stuff I need to handle right now. This thing got me in the fog of things and um, I'll see you next time.